अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अवांगमनसगोचरम आत्मानम अखिलाधारम आश्रयेभीष्ट सिद्धय I take refuge in the self the indivisible the existence consciousness bliss absolute beyond the reach of words and thought and the substratum of all for the attainment of my cherished desire so we are studying the vedanta sara which is basically an introduction to the whole system of vedanta and let us not forget the purpose the purpose is to give a solid foundation to entry into the upanishads which are the foundational texts of vedanta the root texts of vedanta which we will take up um so today especially you will see where a bunch of definitions will come our way and it's really good to know have a clear idea of at least in the vedantic terms what is a mind what is intellect uh, what's a subtle body what's a, ca- a, a causal body uh, these things are so precisely defined what's the ultimate reality what is god um don't look curious oh yes i would like to know that define god we already have <laughs> the ultimate reality brahman qualified by maya is called god so what do we have in the play so far we are going to start with text number 61 what are the pieces in the game so far the ultimate reality of course brahman that's the most important thing to know there is only one thing at, uh, ultimately in advaita vedanta which is existence consciousness bliss and non dual non dual literally means there is no second reality so whatever ap- appears apart from brahman the way we see the world it has to be an appearance it cannot be the ultimate reality so brahman and then maya maya is not a second reality apart from brahman maya because maya cannot be said to exist in the same sense as brahman and yet it cannot be said not to exist also because it is the cause of all this universe which we see um then brahman and maya together are called saguna brahman or ishvara god the god of religion and brahman and maya together become the cause of this un- universe but we remember what kind of cause a real universe is never produced so brahman is never really the cause of the universe it is the cause of the appearance of the universe just like the rope is the cause of the appearance of the snake which we see by mistake the screen is the cause of the appearance of a movie um, none of the actors in the none of the characters in the movie none of the objects in the movie nor the space time event in the movie are actually happening there and the screen remains the screen but it is it enables the movie to be played similarly the ultimate reality brahman remaining unaffected enables the movie of this universe to be played but having said that we need to know the details of how this movie comes about it is still that primordial being but now we are told that primordial being brahman the ultimate reality with maya now maya has two functions it veils the ultimate reality brahman which explains or sort of does why we don't see it anywhere why we don't know it at all it's a primordial ignorance maya that's one one function the other function is more interesting it projects that reality as this reality projects does not transform brahman into the universe brahman actually does not become a material universe it is not pantheism closest would be panentheism there's a technical term panentheism um so brahman appears as this universe because of the projecting power of maya and uh, so brahman is what kind of cause brahman is called the uh, vivartha karanam 
the without getting transformed itself it appears as the universe like a rope without actually becoming a snake appears seems to be a snake um so like that brahman appears as the universe but the maya itself is transformed into the universe maya is called parinami karana transform transformed cause or the cause which is transformed into the effect so the constituents of maya sattva rajas tamas actually appear as this universe how do they do so the first things which happened are um the five subtle elements are produced they are not yet the physical things which we call the universe but the subtle elements the five they are called the uh, pancha sukshma bhuta or tanmatra what are they what are they space air fire water earth these are the primordial elements which are produced from brahman through maya produced means appear brahman appears as these five they have different properties how is it that if it is only brahman then how how are they different the reason is the difference is caused by maya maya gives different properties and so we have different names for them they look different they act differently so we have the five elements now and remember maya has a cosmic aspect and an individual aspect maya can be subdivided brahman cannot be subdivided it's just one and only one but maya can be infinitely subdivided so each part of maya is a tiny bit of a speck of ignorance so that absolute reality channeled through each speck of ignorance becomes the the seed for individual beings like us it's what we experience in deep sleep so that is our causal state i the individual sentient being in my causal state deep sleep so those terms were also introduced pragya and these are terms borrowed from the mandukya upanishad okay that's what we have got so far now the subtle body will be produced notice what are we we are brahman but when we become associated with a tiny part of maya we become what we are in the deep sleep state that same brahman uh, covered by maya tiny aspect of maya that that tiny aspect of maya little bit of maya is called our causal body then on top of that comes our subtle body which is now going to be produced and on top of that finally comes our physical or gross body this physical body so the individual being the jiva the sentient being is infinite reality consciousness existence consciousness place no doubt about it but limited by um ignorance so ignorance is the causal body then further limited by um the ma- the subtle body what is the subtle body we'll see now and then finally by the physical body at uh, the, it's the physical body which is born uh, it is the physical body which ages and dies the subtle body goes on from birth to birth to birth the causal body goes on from birth to birth to birth and ultimately when there is enlightenment the subtle body dissolves back into the five elements and the causal body is dispelled and so you remain as the infinite reality um that's the plot i should have said spoiler alert all right now come to text number 62 as page number 62 text number 61 text number 61 subtle bodies so today the subtle body will be produced now we are getting to more familiar territory what is the subtle body thoughts feelings emotions ideas the person which we consider ourselves to be whatever i consider myself to be sarva priyananda is mostly the subtle body the personality that's coming now 
text number 61 sukshma sharirani saptadashavayavani linga sharirani the subtle bodies are what are known as the linga sharira having 17 component parts the causal body which is nothing other than a tiny bit of maya uh, that is uh, one the, the causal body then the subtle body comes which has 17 parts we'll see what those parts are and then the physical body comes which has umpteen number of parts with our organ systems and everything um okay anything else that i wanted to say yeah so in the waking state we are aware of all three we have physical body and when we look inside we find the subtle body and beyond that is the ignorance which hides our reality all three bodies are available to us at all times in dreams the physical body is forgotten but the subtle body works and the causal body is of course there in deep sleep only the causal body is there is is uh, evident the subtle body shuts down and you have no awareness of a physical body only the causal body which is deep sleep or ignorance is there the koshas the sheets there's another way of classifying all this the pancha kosha the five sheets so the causal body is called anandamaya kosha the subtle body which we will read now is called or let me give the english translations the causal body in sanskrit karana sharira is also called anandamaya kosha in english the bliss sheath now the subtle body will be produced the subtle body in sanskrit sukshma sharira is also called the three um, other sheets the vigyanamaya kosha manomaya kosha pranamaya kosha in english the subtle body has three sheets in that the intellect sheet the mind sheet and the vital sheet sheet as in s h a e a t h why sheet because it's it covers so to say the atman i'm using my words very carefully covers so to say it really does not cover nothing can cover you see there's the danger of using terms like sheet covering you feel like there are multiple layers of cloth over and if you remove them you'll find suddenly find the atman not like that suppose i say the pot covers the clay it's like saying that the wave covers the water the necklace covers the gold does a pot really cover the clay not at all it is the clay alone what is a pot other than the clay alone does a wave really cover the water no not at all every bit of the wave is water does a golden necklace really cover the gold not at all all it can do is if for a person who does not know what clay is or gold is or water is that person will think oh it's a wave where is water oh it's a necklace where is gold it's a pot what do you mean by clay for that ignorant person the pot name and form seems to cover the reality which is clay or the water name and wave name and form seems to cover cover within quotes the reality which is water for an enlightened person just like for us it's if you say look at the pot and see the clay you say yeah it's it's effortless we know it it's so clear look at the wave and see the water yes of course what's difficult about it for the enlightened person look at the universe see brahman yes as easy as that it's brahman alone shining forth shankaracharya says that in aparokshanubhuti as choicelessly the clay in a pot blazes forth if you have the pot you have the clay what you touch is the clay what you see is the clay what you weigh is the clay there's nothing but clay there uh, for the person who knows what clay is uh, so for the person who's enlightened there's nothing but brahman here 
and it's very obvious to that person effortlessly so anyway but we are going far ahead of our story now our thing is to learn about the subtle body which is very interesting our uh, the our inner private life you know what is it made of according to vedanta 17 parts sukshma sharirani subtle bodies saptadashavayan avayavani 17 components 17 parts linga sharirani another name for subtle body is linga sharira in sanskrit sukshma sharira means subtle body or linga sharira that also means subtle body by the way these are ghosts so he said to believe in ghosts or not yes what is a ghost according to vedanta it's just after the physical body is gone um, we are there with our subtle bodies and that's a ghost uh, if you go around and say boo to people then uh, then you will be classified as a ghost if you don't if you don't if you are a rather quiet and retiring sort of ghost nobody will notice you but that's that's what you are that's what we are the pure consciousness limited by the causal body further limited by the subtle body without a physical body as long as we are in that state we are what's called a ghost <laughs> all right now what are the 17 parts avayavastu gyana indriya panchakam buddhi manasi karma indriya panchakam vayu panchakam cheti text 62 what are the 17 parts of the subtle body the component parts of the linga sharira are the five organs of perception the intellect the mind the five organs of action and the five vital forces so going to be a nice description of our inner being it's the software within a computer we're going to be describing what are the apps what are the what's the operating system what kind of software you have what's the antivirus system all of that is now going to be described within us not the hardware just the software part of it So, what is it comprised of? Um, the five sense organs, the five motor organs, organs of knowledge, organs of action. The two parts of the mind, buddhi in intellect and mind. It makes uh, the same thing is divided into two parts: mind and intellect. Uh, mind and intellect. Buddhi means intellect. Manas means mind. Now, sometimes this inner organ. the mind will be divided into four parts in some texts mind intellect memory and ego you can divide it into two parts intellect and mind or into four parts mind memory intellect ego manas buddhi um, chitta ahankara if you divide it into four parts then the count will go up to 19 you see what i'm saying the subtle body has 17 parts if you count intellect and mind as two parts but if you further subdivide into intellect mind memory and ego you add two more parts so the subtle body will have 19 parts what's this problem of 19 and 17 remember all of this is based on the upanishads so one of the upanishads talks about subtle body having 17 parts so there's always a struggle to fit everything into 17 because the upanishad has said so but often you find um, so when shankaracharya sings is famous nirvana shatakam six stanzas on nirvana he sings mano buddhi ahankara chittani naham i am not the mind i am not the ego i am not the intellect i am not the memory four he has denied so he is counting four there not two so in his count it would the subtle body would have 19 parts then so that's something to keep in mind 
So five sense organs, five motor organs, um, the two components or four components of the mind, mind itself and the intellect. And then five components of the prana, of the of what is called the, the vital force. Um, the, the vital force which keeps the body alive. So when, a, when we say a person is dead, in most Indian languages, they will be like, the prana has gone. Pran cholega in Bengali, pran nikal gaya in Hindi. The prana has gone. By prana, we mean not only the prana, we mean the entire subtle body. The subtle body has left. So we say that, that he's gone, he or she is gone. That means only the physical body is left. There's an interesting distinction here. In the West, we say that he has given up the ghost. What is the ghost? The subtle body. And uh, uh, in India, we say he's given up the body. So he's given up the physical body. It's just the other way around. But the same phenomenon is that the subtle body is leaving the physical body. That's death. Death is nowhere seen as the end. In no civilization of the world, from ancient times till today, uh, around the world, nowhere is death seen as a full stop, except for a completely reductionist materialist. Nobody else, even the most primitive um, aboriginal cultures, nobody, they all see death as a continuation. What continues? Clearly the physical body does not continue, but the subtle body does continue. Um, yeah. If you're saying that, uh, Swami, are you forgetting the causal body? The causal body also goes with the subtle body. So you have 17. Five sense organs, five motor organs, five pranas. We will see all of them. What are the sense organs, motor organs, pranas, what each of them does. We'll see all of that. And the intellect and mind, 17. If you count intellect, mind, ego, and memory, 19. Now, five sense organs. What are the five vital forces? Yes, Cordelia is a doctor, so she's immediately zoned in on the life forces. That's what the doctors are trying to keep in our body. So uh, an ER doctor is basically concerned about keeping the life forces within the physical body. So what are the five life forces? That, that's, that's the definition of keeping somebody alive. We'll see. It's all, it will all come up. Everything will be talked about and the functions of each one and so on. 63. The five sense organs, well known. Jnanindriyani, Shrotratvak, Chakshu, Jivva, Ghrana, Khyani. The five organs of perception are the ears, the skin, the eyes, the tongue, and the nose. Remember, we are not talking about nose and eyes and ears. No, these are the powers in the subtle body. The ability to see, the ability to hear, smell, taste, touch. The physical organs have not come yet. Until the physical body is produced, it has these things, these things are. So it's very interesting. In the subtle body, these powers are there. These capacities are there in the subtle body. And they connect to the physical body, the apparatus, the, the uh, hardware. So the, this is part of the hardware, these eyes, this nose, these ears. But what we are talking about here, the sense organs, they are not the physical organs here. They are the capacities in the subtle body which will work through this. So this is quite clear from a Vedantic perspective. This, this part makes it very clear that when the ancients were talking about five sense organs, they were not actually talking about the physical organs. 
uh, here there's the physical organs have not yet come at all their no, physical body has not yet been produced already they are talking about eyes ears these are the powers of seeing somebody may ask isn't it very anthropomorphic the five sense organs of human beings only correct and you will see throughout the book it's pretty much about you so there wouldn't be detailed descriptions of the universe of plants and animals no it's mostly a description of us and just defining and clarifying what we are just drawing a picture of what we are according to vedanta and then hurrying back towards the real nature which is brahman so the point of this is to enable us to use vedanta to realize to become enlightened not as a scientific description of the universe so if some other animals have two sense organs or some other animals have six or seven sense organs you know that is not of interest to sadananda who is writing this text what he is interested in is us so that we can uh, it will help us to become enlightened the five sense organs number 64 ಎಲಿಮೆಂಟ್ಸ್ they come from the sattvic parts of those five. remember all the five elements are produced from maya which has sattva rajas tamas so from the more sattvic elements why sattvic because they are um, they produce knowledge uh, eyes produce sense the visual knowledge uh, ears produce auditory knowledge and so on because they produce knowledge there must be more sattva in them therefore we infer they come from the sattvic parts of the five um, five elements how um prithak prithak separately kramena in sequence so you have to match the sequence notice in 63 it will given in a particular sequence shrotra shrotra means ears so the ears have the element of space in them then tvak touch so touch has the element of air in it and then chakshu uh, eyes visual powers they have the element of fire in it how am i doing this i am connecting these five the sequence it in which it has been given with the sequence usual sequence of the five elements space and air and fire and water and earth then jiva tongue it has the element of tongue means not the physical tongue the power of taste it has the element of water in it and then um smell it is the element of earth in it so it makes a kind of logic Uh, so they come from those five elements in sequence kramena prithak prithak each is connected to a separate element okay now intellect and mind so these are interesting because they give very clear definitions of what vedanta means by mind intellect uh, sense organs all of these things 65 intellect buddhir nama nischayatmika antakarana vritti intellect or buddhi is that modification of the internal instrument antakarana which determines so there is an internal instrument the subtle body has 10 external instruments five external instruments of knowledge five external instruments of action um and the 
five pranas, which can be seen as a battery pack, which gives energy to the whole thing, which makes it work. And an in internal in instrument, like a CPU, it's pretty much like a computer. So a computer has certain input devices. You have the mouse and the uh, keyboard and the touchpad and things like that. These are all external input device. Why external? Because they are in contact with the external world. But the computer also has an internal um, setup like the CPU and the memory, which do not come directly in contact with us. You can't do anything to those things. You, what you can do is you can do something to the keyboard or the mouse or the trackpad and things like that, or the touchpad. But to the internal setup of the computer, the CPU and the memory and um, so just like that, we have an internal instrument. The internal instrument is not in touch with the external world. What is in touch with the external world? The five sense organs, the five motor organs. Uh, this internal instrument has, you can say, either two parts or four parts. What does the inter internal instrument have? Intellect, mind, memory, ego, four parts, or simply intellect and mind. Buddhi namas, intellect is what is buddhi, what is intellect? Nishchayatmika, the determinative faculty. What is it? Always connected to your own experience. What exactly is meant by intellect here? The faculty of understanding. Not just thinking and feeling. The moment you get that aha feeling, I got it. Clarity. I have got knowledge. What knowledge? Any knowledge. Any knowledge at all. When there is clear knowledge, it is the intellect which is active. When you get the feeling, I'm, I'm not getting it. That's the intellect not, not being able to process. When you get the feeling of, I've got it. A math problem or a solution to anything that you're looking for. Any kind of understanding of a concept. That's the intellect. By the way, these are different functions. They are not physical parts of a subtle body. They are different functions of the inner instrument. Antakkarana, inner instrument. They're different functions. It's the same inner instrument, but it functions in different ways. Mind, number 66. Text number 66. Mind. Mano nama sankalpa vikalpatmika antakkarana vrittihi. The mind or manas is that modification of the internal instrument which considers the pros and cons of a subject. Sankalpa and vikalpa means all sorts of alternatives, um, the unprocessed information is dumped there. So the sense organs will pull in a lot of information and dump it all into the mind and it is processed there. Understanding comes at a deeper level, which is buddhi, but the simply the processing which is going on, sankalpa, vikalpa, this or that, there is information, but not yet knowledge. So that entire backroom processing that is called mind. Emotions also will come here. Feelings, feelings, um, thoughts, possibilities, um, general random chattering away of the, of the mind. That is the mind. That's called manas. Then 67. Anayoreva chitta hankarayor antarbhavaha. And in these two, the mind stuff, chitta and ego, egoism, ahankara are included in the intellect and the mind, manas. So this solves the mystery. Four parts or two parts. So here, see, he still has this bee in a bonnet about fitting the, everything into 17 parts. So, and he knows, you're going to ask him, what about ego? What about memory? He says, you, these are included in mind and intellect. So you still, you can still claim to have 17 parts in the subtle body. But it's important to note, intellect, 
mind, ego, and memory. These are actually the four functions of the inner instrument. So what is the memory? It will define. All of these are defined. Memory is defined. Intellect is defined. Ego will be defined. Memory. 68. Anusandhanatmikantakkaranavrittihi chittam. Memory, chitta, is that modification of the inner organ which remembers. So that function which recalls, records or traces left behind by previous experiences, previous experiences of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, feeling, uh, uh, understanding, re remembering, forgetting, all those previous experiences, they leave traces. And the capacity of recalling those traces is called memory. Anusandhanatmika, which recalls traces left in the, uh, in the mind stuff. That is called memory. One little note here. In the Yoga Sutras, you find um, Yoga Chitta Vritti Nirodhaha. Yoga is the cessation of the transformations of the Chitta. So what are they talking about? Is Yoga related to memory? No. There the word Chitta means the whole of the mind. There the word Chitta means the entire mind. The calming down cessation of the movements of the mind is called Yoga or Samadhi. That's Yoga Sutras. Specific meaning of Chitta is memory. General meaning of Chitta, mind. Whole mind is sometimes called Chitta. These are the two words. Chit, Chitta. Chit, consciousness. Chitta, mind. Important. There's only one Takara, one Ta is added. Chit is consciousness. Atman. The self, Brahman, that is Chit. Pure consciousness. Chitta. One more Ta is added. That is mind. It also points to the fact that the mind also ultimately is nothing other than Brahman. Uh, it is Brahman alone with, a, with a, an overlay of Maya, which appears in this form. And then, what is ego? Uh, clear definitions, interesting. And these are, remember all this, all this will become useful throughout our study of Vedanta. Simple and direct definitions. What is ego? 69. Egoism, ahankara, is that modification of the inner organ which is characterized by self-consciousness. This should be, I don't know what you have got in your book, it should be small s, not capital S. You say self-consciousness, <laughs> not capital S self-consciousness, small s self-consciousness. So what is ego? It is the modification of the internal organ which is characterized by self-consciousness, not, not a particularly good translation. I'll give you a better translation. Abhimana Atmikantakaranavritti is, Abhimanam is the appropriating function. The appropriating function is called the ego. What does that appropriating function mean? Whatever is going on in the body-mind, it is taken up, appropriated, and unified by the ego. Um, you're walking. Walking is going on. But the ego says, I am walking. Eating is going on. The ego says, I am eating. Is the ego actually eating? Not at all. Ego is just a function of the mind. It can't eat. Neither can it walk. But it is the, it, the function of the mind is to, this ego, the function is to unify all these activities under one head. And that is called appropriating. It takes upon itself everything that's going on there. This is I. A thought arises in the mind. I want a cookie. Uh, I'm sorry, see, the ego is already working. Cookie, want. Then the ego comes in, I want cookie. Cookie comes from memory. 
want comes from the mind and then the ego comes and says i want cookie when it comes from the memory the desire will not be there but the traces in the mind they come up and that that it hooks that it's a nice thing a cookie it is a thing to be wanted so want and cookie are present then the ego comes and says i want then so remember it's the appropriating function in sanskrit abhimanatmika antakarna vritti function of the same inner inner instrument clearly it's not the real you the real you is the atman the consciousness it is just a function of the mind it works it does not work sometimes sometimes the ego is not present when is the ego not present keep the mind very busy, busy you will not feel the presence of the ego you deeply interested in your work a surgeon is doing very serious neurosurgery something very fine work maybe neurosurgery or something hour after hour does not even feel i am doing it mihai chikzen mihai calls this the flow experience so when you have a flow experience in sports in music in in um you know you're a doctor or or an artist or a writer or even a meditator when you get into the flow experience the ego disappears why there's a psychological reason for it the mind has no capacity left over for generating the ego you have focused it so much on something there's no capacity left over when you're intensely playing a game of tennis or something like that at that time you're not thinking i am going to smash this ball if you think that you'll miss it there's no time left over the mind just reacts in dance in martial arts in sports in um, music especially um when you're playing an instrument you know how to play an instrument very well you know when it's going really well and at that time you don't feel i'm going to do this next i'm going to do that it'll be horrible you can never play properly if you do that uh, so automatically it flows that's where mihai chikzen mihai got the term flow the music just flowed from that he got the term flow there the ego will not be present there's no cognitive capacity left over for generating an ego at that time afterwards the ego can say i played so well i did that operation so well so that's the ego it will come in later but when the ego is not being generated by the mind are you not there you are there in deep sleep the ego stops because the mind stops so ego also stops but the deep sleep is an experience without the ego one advaita teacher said a very subtle point he says this is one of the doors to enlightenment these are some of the errors faults in the structure of maya here is one a very subtle point when you go to sleep the ego also goes to sleep because the mind goes to sleep none of the mind is subtle body sleep means subtle body stops functioning only causal body is left so the subtle body there is no mind memory um, intellect ego all of them stop the four components of the uh, antakarana they shut down and this deep sleep and we wake up when we wake up the inner instrument starts functioning ego comes up memory comes up um the intellect comes up mind comes up they start functioning and the ego says i slept happily no you did not you the ego you did not you were not there at all in deep sleep you the ego were not there you were shut down you did not sleep happily 
you this deep sleep is something deeper than your existence you were not there at all and yet the ego says i slept happily that is a door it's a fault in the structure of maya maya has built up a very nice palace of deceit but there are some trap doors here is one where the witness consciousness illumined the darkness of deep sleep it is the ego which takes over after waking up and says i slept if you can see the difference between the two you will see the difference between atma and ego anyway that was the pointer given by a monk where where do they come from ego intellect mind um, memory 70 ete punaha akashaadigata satsatvikangshebhyo militebhyo utpadyante so these four what are these four mind intellect ego and memory they are produced by the uh, satvika parts of um, of the five elements mixed up remember the sense organs are produced from the satvika parts of each of the five elements separately hearing from space um seeing from fire touch from air and so on but here all the five elements together they contribute to the um, generation of ego mind uh, intellect and uh, memory so ate these uh, components of the inner instrument punaha and again akashaadi the space etc uh, satvik angshebhya from there uh, satvik parts militebhya mixed compounded together utpadyante they are produced they appear why are you stressing that they are all from satvika part from from satvika aspect of um the elements 71 etesham prakashatmakatvat satvikangshakaryatvam these are all they are illumined they shine with awareness they produce knowledge which produces knowledge mind intellect worldly knowledge mind intellect memory so because of the knowledge producing ability we we understand they must come from the satvika part of the five elements remember none of this is physical all of it is at the subtle level then little bit of housekeeping accounting how do you match all this with the five sheets you know anandamaya manomaya vigyanamaya manomaya pranamaya and annamaya how do you match them 72 iyam buddhi gyanindriyai sahita vigyanamaya kosho bhavati this intellect along with the five organs of perception constitutes the sheath of intelligence intellect represents that function of the inner instrument the intellect along with if you count with the five uh, org- organs of knowledge seeing hearing smelling tasting touching that whole thing is called the sheath of the intellect vigyanamaya kosha then 73 an important point he raises this is where we first time begin to feel like an individual being each of us where at the level of the intellect i am this is where it happens not in deep sleep we are already we have been created pure consciousness limited by one aspect of maya we that we saw in the causal level but we have no awareness of ourselves as an individual being there we can't think in deep sleep 
when you look, think about deep sleep now, what are we there? Nothing. Just an awareness of blankness, but no activity going on there. But the, for the first time we are active here, we can think and reflect. So this is where you practically become an individual sentient being. Practically become individual sentient being. That's what he's going to say in 73. This Vijnanamaya Kosha, on account of its being conscious of that, that it is an agent, an enjoyer, that it is happy or miserable, etc., is called the phenomenal jiva, the individual self, subject to transmigration to this and the other worlds. Very important. This is where you can recognize yourself. Here I am introduced as something understandable as myself. Infinite consciousness, um, part of maya, causal body, none of that seems very familiar to us. We don't feel like that. But this is exactly us. The intellect sheet, the Vijnanamaya Kosha, this is where you feel Katritva, I am the doer, I is there, doership is there, I am the knower, I see, I hear, I smell, I taste, I touch. The five sense organs are working. Sukhitva, Dukhitva, Bhuktitva means um, enjoyership or experiencer, I am an experiencer. I see, I hear, I smell, I taste, I touch, I remember, I think. I feel, I understand. All of this is experience. This is what's beginning to happen now. Then, what kind of experiences? Sukhitva, dukhitva. Pleasure and pain are now experienced and understood. It is at this level, pleasure and pain are really understood. Ittyadi and all other kinds of experience. The whole range of experience happens at this level. Not only that, more important, Yaloka Paraloka Gami. This is the one which dwells in this world. And after the death of the physical body, will travel to other worlds, to other lives. It has come on from other lives. This is us, the real us, who are in the inhabiting this. Now I am Sarva Priyananda. But before this body, I was still there. After this body goes, if I don't attain enlightenment, I'll still be there. I'll come back in some other form. Um, by the way, just by the way, I was watching this nice documentary. Um, it's called um, it's called the unmistaken child unmistaken child so it's a beautiful documentary made about 10 or 12 years ago on um, a Buddhist on, on a Tibetan Lama who so they have in Tibetan Buddhism they have the concept of the Rinpoches who keep coming back in a very when we are reborn uh, under conditions of ignorance. We have no choice in the matter. But spiritually very enlightened beings um, who have not yet taken full nirvana, they, they come back again and again because of the whole concept of the bodhisattva bhav, that they come back again and again to help sentient beings. So these, these very advanced spiritual beings can actually choose where and how, in general terms, where and how they can come back. So they have a control over their own karma. This is um, extraordinarily advanced. Very rare. You find that in the, the, some of the direct disciples of Sri Ramakrishna who are clearly aware that we came from other, other realms and we are born to help Sri Ramakrishna in his mission as an avatar and so on and so forth. So the story is of a, um, 
of a very advanced lama who passes on at the age of 84 or something like that in a monastery in Nepal. And his attendant, who is a young monk, a young lama, who has served him faithfully for 20, 21 years, uh, his disciple. So he's inconsolable that he has, he can't. So at the time of death, that lama is telling the attendant, the young monk, that don't cry. I've had a wonderful life. Whatever I wanted to do in this life, I've done. But this lama kept, keeps on telling, even till the five minutes before the passing away, that you come back, please come back. Uh, tell me where I can find you. So they finally, this lama before passing away, he says, all right, I'll, I'll come back. And so there's this documentary. So there's a film crew which follows this young lama around in his search for where this, his old master has come back as a new baby. So it's a very interesting documentary. What has come back? The old lama's body was burnt. They, they even show the cremation. The, the body is being burnt. Uh, but now what, what has gone away? It's a subtle body. This, this Vigyanamaya Kosha. And that reincarnates in another body. Helplessly, if it's an uh, ignorant, subtle body like uh, most of us, or if a, a very enlightened, advanced master, then um, with some, some autonomy. So, I know Swami Ranganathanandaji, 13th president of our order, would say more than once, he'd say that, uh, I will come back. I will come back again to do Swami Vivekananda's work. So that coming back is not like the rest of us. We come back helplessly under the, the, the inertia of our past karma. But that coming back is of a, of a luminous, enlightened being coming back by choice for some higher purpose. I remember a very old Swami, Upen Maharaj, whom I, you know, he's the oldest Swami I knew. He died at the age of, not the oldest really, he died at the age of 102 or 103. There was another Swami who died at the age of 106 recently, last year before last. So this Upen Maharaj, who was a disciple of Swami Shivananda, and at that time, Swami Ranganathanji was the president of our order. Ranganathanji also was a disciple of Swami Shivananda, who was a disciple of Sri Ramakrishna. So, Upen Maharaj one day goes to uh, Swami Ranganathananda, the president of the order, and says, what will become of me? And remember this, both Swamis are above 90 at that time. What will become of me? And Swami Ranganathananda, the president of the order, he straight away said, this is your last life. You will be liberated upon the fall of this. He said, literally, this is your last life. You... Um, you, uh, I will come back again, he said. I will come back again. And third sentence he said, but, but you don't have to, you won't. So these three sentences, this is your last life, I shall come back again, but you don't have to. And this I heard from one of the attendants. So I wanted to verify it. You know, sometimes things get exaggerated. So I found this old Swami um, who was nearly 100 years old at that time, sitting near the Holy Mother's temple uh, on the bank of the Ganga. And I went up to him and asked a few very deep questions. One I asked was, Swami, I heard that you went to Swami Ranganathanandaji and you asked, before I could complete it, he completed the whole thing himself. He said, yes, what will become of me? And he said that this is your last birth. Uh, I, meaning he, he will come back again, but I don't have to come back. Now look at the caliber of this old monk. Uh, he went on praising Swami Ranganathanandaji. See the attitude. He does not want final liberation. 
he wants to come back to do into to, to this world to do swami uh, vivekananda's work to spread spirituality and so on and i said in a sort of restless hurry i said swami forget that you have been given i said in bengali apna ke chutti di raha hai you have been given a permanent vacation so isn't that exciting and this swami was not all that carried away by emotion you know he just said yes the blessings of a mahapurusha of a great soul let us see let <laughs> about himself he was not all that worried not at all interested in fact but he really liked ranganathan ji's attitude that i shall come back and and work for humanity work for vivekananda's work but i was excited i think i was more excited about his uh, impending liberation than uh, he was i actually asked him if he was enlightened but anyway that is a different story altogether so this is the vigyanamaya kosha which goes from birth to birth and this is called important vyavaharika jeeva uchyate important this is called the transactional sentient being individual being vyavaharika transactional transactional means for all practical purposes our individuality starts here causal body deep sleep maya all that we it's, it's too <laughs> rarefied for us but what we can immediately understand is this one which we feel right now okay then don't worry i know there is a lot of activity going on there let me just i have a plan so i'll just go a little bit more and then stop 74 manastu gyanindriyai sahitam san manomaya kosho bhavati the mind with the organs of perception constitutes the mental sheath so the other they are doing some accounting here what about the mental sheath manomaya kosha subtle body has three sheaths vigyanamaya manomaya pranamaya vigyanamaya is intellect plus five organs of perception five organs of perception and uh, what is the mental sheath manomaya mind five organs of perception so just a minute aren't you double counting yes it is the same thing you count it in this way it is the um, intellect sheet you count it the other way it is the mind sheet uh, just the difference is one is one function is of the intellect function one function is of the mind function and you should take them together with the five sense organs because those five sense organs dump their information in the mind um so five sense organs with the mind is called the sheet of the mind manomaya kosha all right we'll stop here because organs of action and uh, the organ and the pranas the battery pack energy pack which keeps the whole thing alive and going those things will come next all right before we go on let me quickly take a look at the activity by the way lot of activity here many comments what would sadananda yogendra say don't take all this too seriously none of this is meant to be taken very seriously what is the only thing that is meant to be taken seriously vastu satchidananda madvayam brahma uh, the reality is existence consciousness plus non dual brahman then agyana adi sakala jada samuha avastu starting from ignorance downwards downwards means all of this is what unreal it's a movie being played out good to understand but don't get excited about it um the screen doesn't cause the movie is rick i think the screen is passive and the projector which is separate from the screen causes it analogy breaks down because there is nothing other than brahman maya couldn't exist 
because there would be something existing other than Brahman. Maya can't be part of Brahman because Brahman is indivisible and can't have parts. Your thoughts, please. Yes, it's paradoxical. But remember, in a, in a sense, the screen does cause the movie. In what sense? Not that the screen is making up the movie. The screen is giving substance to the movie. Without the screen, there wouldn't be anything on which the movie to play. Um, we needn't think of an old movie screen. You can think of a modern you know, plasma TV or something, which is both screen and projector all together. So it gives substance. It gives reality. In what, in what sense is it the cause? Everything in the movie, the actors, the places, the activities are actually, if you just go out and touch them, there is no robber or cop, there is no King Kong, there is no Harry Potter there. Whatever you touch is the screen, is the reality. Reality is only the screen. In that sense, Brahman is the only reality that there is. All right. Now, Maya producing all of this, remember from an Advaitic perspective, they are not disturbed that it could be a second thing. As long as Maya doesn't have its own separate identity, its own separate existence, a second entity, as long as non-duality is protected, the Advaitin is fine with it. You can call Maya the power of Brahman, the projecting power of Brahman. Uh, upon realization, you realize Maya has no uh, reality of its own apart from Brahman. And therefore, Brahman still remains one without a second. He said, yet, but Brahman is only existence consciousness bliss. Why don't you add Maya to it? Because Maya doesn't have a separate existence apart from that. But Maya is doing all of this. From an Advaitic perspective, is it? In the movie, let's say, you see the difference between fiction and fact. If you say the, the movie, the, the TV is producing the magician Harry Potter and the villains and the magic school, not really. There is no magician there, there's no Harry Potter, there is no magic school there, there's only a TV. But it has the potential of producing a fiction. That much is, is, uh, is there. And that is no problem for the non-dualist because being a fiction, it, it is not a countable second to Brahman. That's all they're interested. After that, you can have your fun, as much fiction as you want. But there is no second reality apart from Brahman. Whatever you come across in the play of Maya, has to be Brahman. Yeah, to be, it can't be anything other than Brahman. Yeah. If you give more importance to Maya, you give more stress, you will slowly move from the spectrum of Advaita towards something like Kashmiri, uh, Kashmiri Shaivism, for example. You give a little more importance, reality to the projection. It's not just a fiction. It's not just a projection. It has validity of its own within the ultimate reality. It becomes more like Kashmiri Shaivism. You give it even more reality, it becomes Vishishtadvaita. It is a part of Brahman, a distinct part of Brahman. Each of us is a distinct part of Brahman. It is anathema to Advaita Vedanta. We'll never admit it. But Vishisht, uh, qualified monism, Vishishtadvaita will say actually Brahman has parts. That makes it metaphysically illogical, but uh, maybe more satisfying at our level. Ramya says, the difference between jivas begins with the sukshma sharira. Till that point, it's the same. All at karna sharira. Important point. Till the causal body, till the karna sharira, the difference between us is not experiential. But still the difference is there. 
So what difference at the level of deep sleep? It's all the same. It's all the same experience. Potentially we are different because the moment we sprout into our subtle bodies, we are very different from each other, which means the subtle bodies existed as potencies, as seed form, even in the causal body. That's the meaning of cause. As seeds, they all look the same. The moment they sprout, they look very different. That means, were they really the same as seeds? No, the DNA was different there. They just looked same. They were not doing anything. But the moment they sprout and start developing, you see difference. That means the difference was already there in a subtle or in a causal form there. So in, in causal body also we are different. At causal, we are sentient beings. We are different at the causal level. At the subtle level, clearly different. Physical level, here, countably different. You can count. There are 66 people here. Is this the Holy Ghost of Christianity? No, no, no. Don't uh, confuse it with the Holy Ghost of Christianity. The Holy Ghost is a spiritual power. It descends from God to all, all living beings. It's a much higher thing. This, um, this ghost is a subtle body. It is, it is actually, there's a term, pneuma, which was there in early Christianity, sort of fell out of use. Uh, but that corresponds a lot to the subtle body. Pneuma literally means air, vital breath, which is close to prana. Rick says, people who have out-of-body experiences during their near-death experience prove that the subtle body organs of perception can function without the physical body. Correct. They perceive things in the operating room, other parts of the hospital, while people are in cardiac arrest with no detectable brain activity. And so many things, such things are reported. Scientists will not accept it. Uh, but the amount of data is... I actually heard a talk by a doctor, a medical researcher in the Vedanta Society of... Um, Dallas, so about the data on near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, I mean, there's such a lot of data and all of it is suppressed because it doesn't fit with our, our paradigm that body is everything. Uh, without body, it cannot function, but it shows that it can function. One can still think and one can see and one can even experience without the body, sometimes better without the body. Is the experience of death similar to the experience of dreaming rather than deep sleep? No, the experience of death will be like deep sleep. It's only when the subtle body becomes active again, either in this world as a ghost, you go around saying boo to people, or you go travel to other worlds. And we talk about heavenly worlds or hellish worlds for particularly naughty people. So in those worlds, the subtle body again becomes active and you get a new body then, a kind of astral body. And then uh, you can again think, and then, then it will be like a dream, not like a deep sleep anymore. But right at the point of death, it goes into a dream, like a deep sleep-like state. The Tibetan Buddhists have a very detailed uh, phenomenology of death and post-death experiences. Call it the Bardos, the Tibetan book of dying, living and dying, that book is there. Shravani says, Swamiji's lectures, he cites Akash and Prana's fundamental elements after creation. Prana being unity and forces, Akasha being matter. Was it done by Vaisheshika scholars? I think so, because it's not a Vedantic perspective. Notice what is Vedantic perspective is entirely taken from Sankhya, is borrowed from Sankhya. But the Akasha Prana, I have searched, where was it? It is actually in the Vaisheshika system. Is Antakarana the same as mine? Correct. But now we have already uh, discussed the di divisions and the, now you should be able to say, 
Antakarana means inner instrument. What are the components? Two or four, depending on how you count. Mind, intellect, ego, memory. Mana, buddhi, chitta, ahankara. Ahankara, ego, chitta, memory. Mana, mind, intellect, buddhi. If all jivas are similar during deep sleep, is it possible that during dream the sukshma sharira can communicate with the cosmic? All jivas are not similar during deep sleep. Um, the experience is similar during deep sleep. It feels the same for everybody during deep sleep. But the potential difference is always there. The seed forms. So when the mind awakens in dream, for example. Now, this is, this is a separate question. Can sukshma sharira communicate with the cosmic mind? Yes. Just as our physical body is always part of the cosmic, the physical cosmos, our mental bodies are also part of the cosmic mind, part of Hiranyagarbha. So at some level, we are all connected into the world wide web. This is a much deeper internet than our computer internet. Uh, sometimes messages and information percolates through from the cosmic mind into our individual minds. Spiritual dreams are such an example. And you'll never forget those experiences. They are not generated at our level. What is the, Prabir Babu asks, what is the difference between ego and reflected consciousness? Consciousness is reflected in the ego. The ego is a movement of the mind. Notice, Abhiman, Atmika, Antakkarna, Vritti, Ahankara. We just read the definition. The appropriating movement or function of the mind or inner instrument is called ego. So it's a movement of the inner instrument. What are they made of? Sattvic parts of the five elements. Material. They are not physical matter. They are subtle matter. Consciousness or Atman or Chaitanya is reflected in that. Uh, reflected is just a way of speaking. It's not physically reflected. Not like light. So the ego feels aware. It's not only I, but it's an aware I. It's an aware I. So in artificial intelligence, when you endow a robot with artificial intelligence, that also has a sense of, sense of integrity. It can distinguish itself from its environment. So it behaves as if it has an ego. So you can even say that the robot has an ego. But then ego of the robot is, a robot is not uh, a, a conscious ego. There is no reflection of consciousness there. The robot does not actually feel like us, I, though it behaves like us. In behavior, ego, intellect, memory, all are evident in the robot's activity. If it's a sophisticated device with artificial intelligence and so on. In, notice, intelligence, memory, ego, mind, all these can be replicated by computer science today. All these can be replicated. This alone should force um, modern philosophy of mind to accept that consciousness is not mind. This is a this problem is, is not very clear. To, uh, we studied the philosophy of mind in some detail at uh, Harvard in the philosophy department there, and I saw again and again uh, 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 this underlying confusion of consciousness and mind, and leading to many problems. Many of the papers were vitiated by this. A simple insight, the difference between consciousness and mind, would actually uh, solve many of the problems in philosophy. But now you'll be forced to accept consciousness and mind are not the same. Why will you be forced? Here, clear example. Your um, 
the robots in, in say the Google self-driving car or the artificial intelligence is being created at IBM and other places yeah. and Facebook and other places. They will replicate all functions of the mind which we just read about. Already memory, all our these smart devices have memory. Whatever the devices we are using now, plenty of memory, better than us. They have intellect. What is artificial intelligence? Buddhi, buddhi. The ability to take decisions and the compute and take decisions, yes. Much better than us. Already Kasparov was defeated by Deep Blue. That is buddhi. Mind, the ability to process information, consider. That is also developed by the... Something like that is going on in the, in the, in the computer, in the program itself. And a kind of proto-ego. Ego in the sense, the ability to distinguish the robot itself from its environment. Otherwise, no robot can function. If it has a clear sense of its own boundaries, what I am apart from the rest. And yet, here is the clear thing, yeah, which is obvious to everybody and yet nobody acknowledges it. None of this is accompanied by an inner first-person experience of I am, I think, I understand, I remember. No. There is nothing going on in there in terms of conscious experience in the, in the most, the smartest AI-powered robot. Nothing. Though it can duplicate in behavior all our mental activities. So the mental activities and consciousness are different. You feel in the inner awareness, that reflected consciousness. When you think, when you remember, when you take a decision. The robot also remembers, thinks, takes a decision has no inner awareness. In you, there's a light on in the room. In the robot, the room is working, but it's a dark room. You say, how are you so confident that there's no consciousness in the robot? Ask around. AI people, the designers in Google and Facebook and IBM, are they claiming that their machines and programs are conscious? Nobody claims. None of the experts will ever claim that our products are conscious. So far. Consciousness and mind are different. These definitions make it very clear. All of these things, what we just read, ego, memory, with all the definitions, make it clear that ego, memory, intellect, mind, these are all objective processes. You, you are aware of it. That which is aware of these processes is consciousness. They shine in the light of consciousness. Upanishad says, Tameva bhantam anubhati sarvam. That consciousness shining, all of these are shining. What are all these? Mind, memory, ego, intellect, the pranas, the body. They all are revealed. Not so in a robot. The robot lacks reflected consciousness. If you know, it lacks, you just said it lacks consciousness. No, this Atman, Brahman is everywhere. Even in that robot, it's there. But that reflected consciousness is not there. And therefore, that inner feeling of I am this. This Vevaharika Jiva, what we just read now in 73, very important. Distinction between a robot and us. In us, we can be considered as biological robots. What's the difference between us and a mechanical robot? In us, there is a Vevaharika Jiva, transactional uh, being, transactional sentient being who is capable of being bound and of being released, of seeking spiritual liberation. The robot has nothing like that going on there. It's, it's a machine which can extraordinarily well imitate our functions of thinking, feeling. Even recently, 
the mathematician uh, Marcus Satoy. He wrote a book about artificial uh, intelligence creativity. People used to think that last barrier is people who do not distinguish between mind and consciousness. They give poor arguments like this. No, no, no. The, the consciousness means creativity. Nonsense. Totally non-conscious robot can create. Um, Marcus Satoy, he showed me examples. He said, you cannot distinguish literature written by um, an author and by artificial intelligence. Poetry, art, actual art, design. Can you distinguish is this human, which is the human being and which is the robot? You cannot distinguish. Creativity is not unique to human minds. A robot can, can be creative also. All of these are objective functions of the, uh, of the Antakrana, which is a material thing. We just saw it is made of five elements. But somehow these five elements reflect consciousness and this comes alive as a transactional jiva, a sentient being. I am Sarva Priyananda, not so in the robot. But you see, if the material uh, five elements can reflect uh, consciousness, so why can't the robot's uh, inner you know, that program reflect consciousness? Not yet. We don't know exactly where is the difference, but not yet. <coughs> Swamiji, Hariyom, is curious to know what's the intermesh of various nadis. Not yet. Nadis have not yet come. They are in the um, Stula Sharira. Nadis will be there. They'll be mentioned later on. In deep sleep, is there no reflected consciousness? There is, but it is not active. The reflected consciousness becomes active in the Vijnanamaya Kosha, uh, where the, for the first time it is evident. Without the subtle body, the reflected consciousness will not be evident. Uh, Deepa says, Pranams Maharaj, you said you want the cookie at present. Ego comes and says, I want. What does it mean, want and cookie are present? Are those present in awareness? How can want be present? No, no, want comes from the mind. Cookie information has come from, from the eyes which see the cookie outside in the world. In the mind, you have this um, wanting coming. Uh, the information of the cookie has been brought by the uh, eyes. And in the mind, um, the storehouse, the chitta, the desire has been brought out that it is a nice thing. And, and a vasana arises. Now, another function of the mind is ego. It will come and what does it do? It comes and says, I want cookie. What are you? Your pure awareness, which is aware of all of the goings on, that the drama is going on. Ego is doing its ego thing. The mind is doing its mind thing. The sense organs are doing their thing. Memory is providing its uh, past experiences. Drama is going on. Ego converts the big eye to small eye. Very nicely said. Ego converts the big eye to small eye. Very nicely said. Let me quickly look at the uh, raised hands here. Pranam Maharaj, I will ask you a question after hearing Professor Timalsina oh. on the Shaivasam. When he, at the end of the program, where he said that we believe in um, not jumping, but we want to enjoy both sides. Oh. And also with your question answer, 
the last question answer session, the last two questions that you said, because you know we are so comfortable in our lives here that we just don't know how to take the next jump. So here, my question is, with the what he said about the uh, you were mentioning about the dishti shrishtivad with the anirvachanya khati will that help with the mithyatvam of the world okay that's a very complicated question sorry <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's bothering me so much after let me, let me just give you a little hint on this what I mentioned at the end, what is going on in Kashmiri Shaivism actually? You will say, what is going on? It's another darshan, another philosophy? No. As a darshan, as a philosophy, it doesn't stand. With all respect to all Kashmiri Shaivas, and uh, it just falls apart at the first blow. That's why it is never taken seriously as a philosophy. It never enters into debates with, say, Advaita Vedanta. And all. It, it, it can't stand. Um, what they have done is, they have imported, the, you'll see now, what we have defined as mind and intellect, they've imported the activities of the mind and the intellect into the ultimate reality. Yeah, that I saw. It is called Prakasha Vimarsha Swarupa. The ultimate reality is not only consciousness, but it is a self-consciousness. It is aware of itself. And that enables them to do a lot of things. But that aware of itself, it is, they have put two things together which are incompatible. Uh, so it is a logical impossibility. But One, isn't it what is our problem now? That because we are so comfortable with this life in North America. Correct. Uh, it's not, not just North America. We are so comfortable with the life in a body as a body-mind complex, lifetime after lifetime. So our tendency is to try to preserve a little bit of this also. So we put it, we like, we are more comfortable with the philosophy, which allows us to retain some semblance of being an individual being, separate, functioning, able, able to um, retain individual functionality. Swami Vivekananda used to make fun of this. He would say, individuality, you are not individuals yet. It's only when you are the absolute, that is, that is the only individual possible. Until that time, we are like work in progress, continuous change only. So, then what is going on in Kashmiri Shaivism? What is the real beauty of Kashmiri Shaivism? The real beauty is this, is that um, um, you'll remember towards the end I commented, if you take a phenomenological account of the experiences of spiritual practitioners, all the visions they have, the practices they do, the various supernatural, exper extraordinary experiences, mystical experiences they have, and then try to give a philosophy which unites all of this. That is Kashmiri Shaivism. Would you agree? And Timal Sina said, Swamiji, you put it better than even I could. Yes. It is a mass of upayas. Look at the difference. Advaita Vedanta, you're puzzled. What is the way we keep on asking and hammering on? It doesn't seem to be a way. It just seems to be a fact which is told to us. That's it, finished. What is the way? If you ask what is the way to Advaita Vedanta, Advaita Vedanta will reply, consider the question you are asking. You are you. Suppose you are Anuradha. You are asking, so in what way can I become Anuradha? What answer can I give you? You are Brahman. What is the way to become Brahman? 
if you are saying that i am brahman but i don't see how i am confused i think something else at entirely i am a body mind then i can show you a way of dissolving that uh, error but i can't show you a way of becoming brahman because you already are whereas in kashmiri shaivism there is no end to methods as he said it's a mass of upayas there are endless methods take up a single text vigyana vigyana bhairava 112 very sophisticated methods of meditation each one by itself can take you to enlightenment shambhava upay shakta upay anubhava upay anupay these are sets of techniques to help you to attain enlightenment so that is the approach of kashmiri shaivism it starts with the spiritual seeker it is a very effective path methodology endless paths each one of your experiences is given some importance and put in put into part of the whole structure it is given a place in the structure or oh, you had this experience you had a vision of this kind of kali next is that kind of kali ultimately you will get uh, shiva vision and be identified with it things like that step by step multiple very um, minute differentiation of spiritual experiences and it gives serious impact a serious place and regard to each of those advaita vedanta did you see it yes it's an object forget it what saw it advaita vedanta is as he says it's like taking a rocket ship i saw this you saw it right i saw this amazing vision you saw it right yes then it's an object what is the one which was seeing that's what advaita is interested in. so advaita takes you to the heart of the problem so kashmiri shaivism has has a great beauty of its own no doubt about it it's the way of a sadhaka a dedicated spiritual practitioner that's why arindam professor arindam chakravarti told me if you want to understand the various visions of sri ramakrishna and the various practices that he undertook you will be able to understand it much better through kashmiri shaivism than through advaita vedanta advaita vedanta will explain only a little part of what sri ramakrishna is saying the rest of it i saw mother like this i practiced like that i heard that sound i saw this light these are all very nicely described in kashmiri shaiva texts they are all real how real are they they are as real as this what we are experiencing now so what will be the way for the mithyatvam to be like real okay hold on to that question that will be we will discuss in time next thank you uh good evening uh, swamiji um i i wanted to ask a question so if uh, is it true that like do i understand that correctly that would say in order for brahman to experience maya as like brahman needs to have like a subtle body and the instruments to perceive it and interact with it uh is is that uh, the right uh, type of thinking yes but remember when you say brahman needs these things what are oh, these not needs but sort of like if he wishes to sort of right. to but remember what are these things what is a mind what is an intellect what is the prana uh, all of these instruments they are nothing other than brahman yes but ultimately Ka- yeah yeah so brahman does not really need anything outside of it but but in a way like to play this game right to yes. to be part of the game uh, to enjoy the game and therefore like when uh like the ultimate enjoyment is essentially being like being like becoming jivan mukta right right 
therefore kind of the is that the the whole sort of purpose of the jiva is that you're to right. provide Brahman with a great experience in the game yes you're right swami turiyananda ji in one place he says there's a book up, uh, called jivan mukta sukha prapti about the life of swami turiyananda and he says the whole problem was solved he was a great non dualist but he said i was not satisfied with the idea that brahman is somehow in bondage and somehow gets out of bondage and gets liberation why at all but when i heard of this concept of jivan mukti free in the midst of all this appearance um then i said yes this is a worthwhile goal the to enjoy the bliss of uh, jivan mukti brahman plays this the absolute plays this game of the relative that is it's not in, philosophically it, it 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 won't satisfy a hardcore logician but it's a, it has a certain poetic justice of its own poetic uh, appeal why not logical logically why would an absolute even want something how could an even absolute want anything even to project uh, you know a, a relative universe how is it any better than how is being a jivan mukta any better than being an infinite uh, existence consciousness place uh, isn't it it's the same question as why maya or kind of yeah, why exactly. that exactly. all right so there is you cannot answer that right I, and i have i never found this answer but personally i i started by thinking about it as stumbled upon a very simple and elegant answer to the question of why at all all of this the answer i got was what are the options either brahman has to project itself in a relative way or not project itself these are the only two options and that's what it is doing when there is creation and existence and life it is projecting itself when there is pralaya the cosmic dissolution and deep sleep every day it is withdrawing the projection these are the only two options that poor brahman has and it's it's serving the full menu to you <laughs> if uh, it did not do anything at all it's completely blank you could have accused it of you are the absolute do something <laughs> then it can do this the relative world or it can withdraw the relative world both of it it's doing we have no cause for complaint <laughs> from an advaitic perspective as long as it is brahman and you know that you are the absolute it's perfectly all right you are safe there is there is no harm done anywhere not to yourself an enlightened person also knows even the ones in ignorance even the ones who are weeping and crying and suffering they are also also safe in an ultimate sense right now there is of course suffering and pain in an ultimate sense they are safe everybody is safe in an ultimate sense because you are nothing other than brahman All right. Let's end on that happy note. Thank you. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ram Krishna Rupa Namastu.